Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. been a long time coming but we finally got a live draft once again welcome to the pipeline show everybody and it is draft week here as the nhl draft gets going on thursday and friday as i'm speaking with you right now it's a tuesday afternoon just packing together the final episode before the 2022 nhl draft the pipeline show brought to you by wilhock beef jerky it is alberta's best beef jerky you can get it anywhere in western canada There are two locations you can walk into, though, one in Leduc and one in Spruce Grove, both here in Alberta, just outside of Edmonton. But as I mentioned, if you're in Western Canada, any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. Just contact Trent in Leduc and uh, let him know the pipeline shows sent him. All right, as I mentioned, this is the last episode of the program before the draft. It's not the last episode of the season, though. Season 17 will end at the end of July. Then there'll be a, a couple of weeks off. And I'll come back with season 18 after that. But we've got the draft this week. Then there's really about a three-week off-season, quote-unquote. Lots of stuff that we haven't been able to uh, dive into yet that uh, we will do uh, in the coming weeks, though. But uh, this week, we finish off the focus on the NHL draft. And not a whole lot of news and notes to get to. Uh, Earlier today, the Moose Jaw Warriors uh, unveiled their new primary logo. It's a picture of uh, one of the Tudors, the Snowbirds. Uh, from the aerial uh, acrobatic team. For those who aren't familiar, Canada's airplane stunt team is uh, based out of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. If you're American, you might be familiar with the Blue Angels. Uh, This is the Canadian version, and uh, that is now adorned as the uh, primary logo for the Moose Jaw Warriors. Still red, black, and white as the uh, colors for the team. Sharp-looking jerseys and uh, a nice new logo. But really, other than that, that's that's it for news and notes. Not a whole lot to get to right now, as everybody's just kind of uh, wait-and-see mode what happens at the draft. Will there be lots of trades? Will there not be lots of trades? We'll, uh, we'll know in a couple of days. So really, let's just get to the uh, let's get to the show. And I'll tell you, I have four guests coming up. All of my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline with the tap room in Red Deer. You can go right there and uh, have some exclusive beverages right on tap in the tap room. Or you can place your order online and pick up in Calgary, Edmonton, or Red Deer. All the details at troubledmonk.com shop. Here is this week's guest list. 
Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. He's going to be one of the guys covering the draft for Sportsnet on day one and day two, as well as on the NHL Network on day two. Now, what we've been doing with all the uh, scouts when they've been coming on is giving them a category, and they would give us their top five players from that specific category. And uh, Sam has picked defensive defensemen. So the big, tough, stay-at-home kind of guys, or at least guys who maybe they can still contribute offensively, but more well-regarded for their defensive play. And at the next level, we should probably expect them to lean that way uh, more than the offensive side. Some big, strong guys, and uh, Sam... Tease those up for us. After that, it will be a Grant McCagg from Recruits.ca. And a Grant's category is a is a look at the power forwards, the top power forwards available in the class of 2022 and some big names there. And one guy that he is a huge fan of that has not been talked about much on this program uh, this season, uh, but he has them extremely high. So we'll get to know uh, that guy uh, for Grant McCagg. And the final scout before the draft is Ross McLean from McLean Hockey. He's a skating and skills development coach uh, down in Calgary. He's worked a lot with Hockey Canada, knows a lot of the players uh, very well. And his category are the uh, natural-born snipers. You want a goal scorer? Well, Ross can tell you uh, who to take in the 2022 draft. And that will do it for the scouts, but there is one more player we're going to get to. The final 2022 draft spotlight segment of Season 17 it's a goaltender. We haven't had many goaltenders on the program this year because it's apparently not a great year for, for goalies. Uh, but this guy had a really good season and has been rewarded for that uh, with an invite to Canada's World Junior Camp this summer, looking to make Team Canada for 2023. His name is Chase Coward. He's the starting goaltender for the Red Deer Rebels. So we got an absolutely loaded show. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet kicks it off when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. Brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. All right. This is Lawson Crows of the Kingston Frontenac. It's Sam Bennett. Hi, it's Eric and Branson. It's Warren Fogel for Roland McEwen. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Boom, blue on the sea. Loose and complete under sky. So smoky blue green. Oscar from Atchison loves Wilhawk beef jerky. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Heading to the lake. Three screaming kids in the back. Let's get ice cream, we said. Sour, soupy sundaes all over the van. But then I found Wilhawk beef jerky. Tender, seasoned pieces of meat smoked to perfection. Perfect for keeping little mouths busy. And best of all, no sloppy surprises. And I always make sure to bring a little extra to eat around the campfire. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hi, everybody. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, wilhockbeefjerky.com. And uh, this week we are continuing on with the uh, Scout Blitz and uh, talking with uh, a bunch of our uh, My Media colleagues, uh, getting to know players for the NHL draft. And uh, these guys watch all the leagues uh, much more than I do. So uh, picking their brains is a pretty valuable thing. And it's selfish on my part uh, to get ready for the draft. But I know there's a lot of draft junkies who will benefit from this as well. And my next stop is a good friend, Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. Welcome back. Sam, how are you? Yeah, it's been a while. Gee, it's nice to be back and, and great to be talking about the draft. The closer this thing gets, the more excited. Not just myself, but man, and all the people I'm talking to, they're super excited about what they expect is going to be a, a quite a wild affair. 
uh, we say this sometimes, well, in a lot of years, that there might be, you know, 10, and then everything gets thrown open, and it could be anywhere uh, for the next 40 or 50 picks. It seems like that might be a little bit earlier this year, and, and maybe even inside, like, the top five might be might be all the same five guys for a lot of people, but the order of those five guys could be all mixed up. This This year, there's a lot of intrigue. There's a lot of intrigue, and it starts with the first overall pick. That's not a lot to be to be seen, right? When, you know, maybe two or three months ago, it seemed that that was going to be the case. And then, you know, you look at Nemitz, he's really had a rise to prominence. Um, uh, same thing with, you know, Slavkovsky, Cooley. I think Cooley's, you know, he's dropping here a little bit. It's really interesting to me how this thing is going to play out. But, I, you know... You could take probably 30 different lists and have the order of the top six guys uh, really be varied. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that's of great interest to me. And and you're right. We usually don't see that. We usually have some some pretty good certainty about 10 names that we think are are going to be there. Uh, but the order of those 10 names this year, and it might not be the same 10 names that everybody has. So again, all of that that craziness really starts early on in this this draft, and that's what makes it fun and it's going to make it fun for us to be on our toes on TV. And for you, that's uh, Sportsnet has day one and uh, Sportsnet has day two and also NHL Network for you on day two, correct? Yeah, it's been it's been really nice. That's been a kind of a cool piece of it, like with, uh, you know, us having the NHL rights and, and forging a relationship with the NHL Network. They've they've used me on day two for the last, oh, I don't know, five or six years. And it's been a blast working with those guys. And, you know, day two can be a lot of fun too, Guy, because, you get to see a lot of the guys that, okay, yeah, so you miss out on round one, but a lot of these guys that are going in the fifth, sixth round, the Dustin Wolfs of the world who mm-hmm. are sitting around till the very last minute, that's the cool part for me about doing day two is that all those kids who put so much time and effort into it who, for the most part, know that they're not going to be first-round picks, just the excitement and the elation on their faces, their friends, their families, when they do get picked on, on day two. So I, I I love it. I really, really enjoy it. One of the things I like about the coverage that you're part of on the panel there is everybody else got their laptops open and they're trying to crunch and look up these guys and, and you're just sitting there with your your feet up on the desk, basically, and reciting all everything you want to know about these players in the fifth and sixth rounds and everybody else is staring at you like, how the hell do you know all everything about these guys? And That's because you put in the work, Sam. Well, I appreciate that, Guy, and it and it was a lot easier when we were doing CHL games, and you had that, that yeah. intimate knowledge. So it's required a lot more uh, work on the phone this year. But you know, even today, having some great conversations with coaches right across the the CHL, and trying to get some of that background information and some key points of of interest. And I'm lucky, Guy, because oftentimes you start talking about that stuff, and for whatever reason, like the conversations, they just resonate. And, you know, when you've known people for a long time, um, sometimes you just don't have to write it down. Sometimes you just remember the conversation and you try and relay, mm-hmm. you know, what you've heard, of course, mixing that with what you've seen. Uh, so I'm, I'm lucky to have, uh, you know, a lot of friends still in the, in the, in the CHL side of things that have, uh, that have provided me with tremendous help. All right. Well, you're helping me out this week uh, with a list of guys that we, uh, throw under the category of uh, defensive defensemen, stay-at-home guys. Uh, they're, maybe they're going to be on the first penalty kill and, and players like that. And we're going to start with a an import player uh, from Switzerland and Lee Bixchel, who is a, a big body man, 6'5", 225. And I remember seeing him at the U18 down in Texas, and he was already that big and stood out. It looked like a father-son game with only one dad on the ice. <laughs> yeah, he, he is a 
he is a big man. And, you know, we come off the recency bias of what we saw in the, in the Stanley Cup once again, um, you know, with, with the big D that, that Tampa has provided here in the last three years. And, and this is a guy that, that really fits that mold. And so, you know, when it comes to Bixel, you're thinking more about the defensive side, taking care of business in your own end snuffing out plays at his own blue line, using that reach and, and good body position and the stick. Um, I think the one thing that really resonates with Bixel is the fact that when he hits, he's not him hitting to, you know, eliminate man from puck. He's hitting to eliminate man, period. <laughs> um, he, he hits, he, you know, he plays for keeps and he understands that that's that intimidation and that um, awareness that people have to have when he's out there is a, a positive for his game and that's the way he goes about his business so again one of those bigger guys uh, applying himself in the shl this year not a lot of players um at that age you know 18 years or younger have, have had the opportunity to play regular minutes in the shl and for pixel that, that that was the case for him this year i know when a lot of guys are that size at that age the question is about their mobility is that an issue at all for him in your opinion or is this skating just fine well, he's, he's not a fleet of foot guy, and that's not going to be the thing that, that jumps out at you when you watch him play. Uh, but it's not a detriment to his game as well. And like everybody, when you see the speed at which Colorado plays, I mean, no matter how good a skater you are at your junior level, uh, at wherever it is you're playing in, in Europe or in the USHL and college hockey, whatever the case might be, every single player that comes out of these, these you know, that comes into the draft, has to be a better skater. So Bixel's no no different uh, from that description. Uh, but a guy who, when you watch him, that's definitely not the thing that sticks out. But he, he's mobile enough. Top end speed is fine. Um, and you would expect as he continues to get bigger and stronger that those things will improve too. But definitely not a detriment in his game. Definitely not the thing that jumps out yeah, out at you in his game. All right. That's Leon Bixel uh, from, uh, well, he's playing in Sweden, but he's from Switzerland. Uh, next up is a U.S. National Development Program defenseman. He's not a six foot five and two hundred twenty five pound guy, but uh, Ryan Chesley maybe he plays a bigger defensive game than he actually is on paper. Six foot two hundred pounds. Uh, what do you like about Chesley? Just a really steady, calm game all over the ice. So uh, again, a guy who's not necessarily a puck transporter, but more of a mover, a first pass type of guy but someone that you'd want to play with that get-up-and-go type defenseman because he has the skating ability to keep up with that guy but has no problem just minding his part of the ice and covering up for when his partner is, is one of those get-up-and-go players. So for Chesley, I think he's I, I, you know, he's a guy that I predict is going to go a little bit higher than even I had him in my last rankings and a guy who seems to be getting a lot of late love here just because of the steadiness of his game. So he's a sturdy-bodied guy. Um, you know, he defends well. He, he knows that his best way to defend is doing it in neutral ice. And so he's a guy there that because of that uh, excellent skating ability can snuff plays out even at the red line or, or keep tight gaps. Um, and a guy who has no problem that when the option is available to him to provide offense, he can do that as well. So I know he's a fan favorite of uh, the coaching staff there. Nick Ford does such an unbelievable job with the defenseman in the U.S. under-18 program, and he's done a wonderful job, uh, job here with, with Chesley as well. So, I, I again, I think he's going to surprise some people. Like, I think I had him more towards the, the 25 to 32 range, and I now have extended that uh, more likely in the 20 to 25 range. 
Okay, we'll watch for that. And you mentioned there is some offensive uh, ability there, too. He had 29 points in 59 games, 12 goals along the way. So, uh, yeah, no stranger to be able to contribute at both ends of the ice. Uh, let's move on to uh, another big fella, Maverick Lamaru, who plays for the uh, Drummondville Voltageur and a six foot seven. Now, he's only 200 pounds, so there's lots of room to fill out. Uh, but that is an awfully big frame. Good place. That's uh, a good starting point for him, isn't it? It sure is. And, you know, that jumps right away at you. And I think where he's improved a lot is just applying himself more physically. You know, sometimes you get these big kids and they're just so much bigger than everybody else that they don't play a physical game. And, you know, after some realization and under the tutelage of, of Steve Hartley there in Drummondville, I think he started to realize that the meaner he plays, the more nasty he plays, the more recognition he's going to get. So, again, you're talking about a guy who's a, who's a good skater. He's obviously got that long reach, so his ability to defend the net front is not a problem whatsoever. Um, but I think people feel that there's a lot of upside with this player in terms of his ability to maybe create a little bit more offense because his hands aren't bad for a big guy. And he moves well. He's got that agility to his game. So, uh, again, I think people, um, scouts, are concerned a little bit about how he thinks the game. But for me, it's more or less, just getting used to being able to be a guy who is not only just thought of as a big guy and a defensive guy, but applying himself on the offensive side of the game. And I don't, I don't think that's something that's really quite developed in his game. And I think that's something that will come along. But I think the one cool thing about this young man is just he loves going to the rink. He's got a smile on his face whenever he's around. He's a funny, candid young man. He's got great character to him. And he really um, endeared himself to a lot of the teams at the Combine simply by just getting to meet, uh, meet him and shake his hand and, and see that wonderful smile on his face. So, But again, at the next level, he's going to be a guy who's going to be thought of as, hey, moving the puck quickly, playing a simple game, applying himself continually more on the physical side of, game, of the game and being a more nasty guy to play against. But uh, you have to love the character. Well, and a six seven with so much room to still fill out. I, I guess phys- from a physical standpoint, still just scratching the surface of what he can do. I mean, it's it's realistic to think he could play comfortably at two twenty, two thirty. Oh yeah, I think two thirty is probably going to be the goal for this guy. And uh, he, I don't even think he thinks that he's finished uh, growing yet. Hmm. So does he get to you know six eight? Does he get to Chara? You know that that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, there's no question. And and again. When you're that much taller than everybody else, yet you're still slight of frame, there is some some trepidation when you're going to, you know, when you're going to try and play that physical nasty game because there's still some vulnerability with your size. But he's applied himself more in that regard as the season has gone along, and I think that's something that's going to continue to develop in his game. All right, another big fella out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League is uh, Noah Warren, who uh, I, I only got to see him play a couple of games on TV, but uh, really liked what I saw from him. Uh, another big, physical, strong guy, 6'5", 225. Uh, and there is a meanness to his game, isn't there, Noah Warren? Oh, there's no question about it. And what's really cool about this young man is the fact that a lot of times players think that, A, you have to produce points in your draft year, and B, you have to continually be on the offensive. You have to be that fourth guy on the attack. You have to be leading the rush. I think for Noah Warren, um, the self-awareness of what he is is truly his greatest asset. He and, and Louis Robitaille, the head coach there in, in Gatineau, sat down before the year, or it actually goes back to the exit meeting of the, of the pandemic short season the year before, where they sat down and they said, okay, here's where you're going to be best suited 
here's how your game is best going to fit in the pros. You got to be mean. You got to be nasty. You got to be really difficult to play against. You have to play a simple game. And he understood that challenge, took it with him in his training in the offseason, and then came back and did exactly that, executed in a way that he wasn't worried about point production whatsoever, but he knew it was his blue line to protect. It was his net front to protect. If he went into a corner, either he was coming out with a puck or someone was going to be banged up coming out with it against him uh, and applied himself in that way. So I love the fact that this young man knows that he's got to be that steady, stay-at-home guy, use his feet to snuff plays out, close plays off at the blue line, keep really good gaps, and, and be a guy that people are aware of whenever he's out on the ice. And I love the fact that the offense was not even a part of consideration of, of his game. He's a guy who probably couldn't even tell you how many points he had throughout the course of the season. Now, you know, when you're that skilled in the age group, you're going to get some power play time. And of course you're going to be able to, with, with the big shot that he has, be able to produce a little bit, but that's definitely not what he was all about this year. And I love that about him because he knows what he has to be. All right. Well, just out of curiosity, you had Warren at 32 and Bixell at 24. They're, 6'5", 225, both of them. How big of a difference is there, and what is the difference in the way that they play, even if it's slight? Yeah, I, I do believe that people think that Pixel is going to have a little bit more offense to provide, and that's probably the difference you see in the ranking. Whereas Warren, I think it's pretty clear as to what he's going to be. He's going to be a complimentary guy, and he's a guy that you take knowing that we're not worried about him providing offense. And so when you eliminate that element, it, it drops you down a little bit lower in the rankings and on the list. But for me, that asset is so valuable and knowing that he's already that guy. Whereas Bixel, you say, he is that guy for sure. But we do believe that there's some offensive upside with him that, that we think we can unearth as, it, as things go along. And then I guess the next thing you'd say is Bixel had a lot of success playing you know, in a, in, a, in a men's league where Warren did it in junior hockey. So you, have, you feel a little bit more certain about the projection because he played against men in the SHL this year. All right, that makes sense. Uh, last guy of the uh, this group that we're talking about is Jace Weir, the Red Deer Rebels, who I did get to see lots of this year, and, and I'm a fan of his. I think he's a he's a real pretty solid player. Uh, one of those, as you like to call him, Steady Eddies uh, on the back end. Uh, what have you liked uh, from Weir when you've seen him play, Sam? Yeah, and, and again, it's it's just being a reliable guy, a guy that you know you can put out in any situation, a guy that um, you know when you're when you're down in the game. Late, you know you can put him out there because he's going to move pucks efficiently. And when you're protecting that lead, you know he's going to be out there. He's going to be a mistake-free type of guy. So there's no real element of his game that jumps out. Yes, he's a good skater, and that might be the thing that if you went and watched him say, oh, yeah, okay, we, we get it. But more importantly, it's just the reliability, the efficiency he plays with, and, and again, knowing when to jump the rush, but it's not often knowing how to defend um, that. Those are the things that I like about them. And those steady eddies, like they're, they're important people to have in your lineup. And is this guy going to rate out and project as a, a top four D probably not. But as we've seen your defensive core now has to get into the five, six in order to be effective mm-hmm. and to make those long playoff runs. And I think this is where Jace Weir really fits the bill here. Someone that you can look at and you can say, all right, we're going to take him in the second and the third round. We know exactly what we're getting with this guy. He's got pro habits. He's a really efficient player. He's not going to do anything stupid. He's not going to make mistakes. And so we can rely on him. And for that, 
there's there's a lot of value in that and and again not uh, you know on a first round situation for him maybe not even a second round situation for Jace Weir but more likely a you know an early uh, third to mid third round pick all right that's the uh, defensive defenseman uh, with uh, Sam Cosentino now uh, Sam from Sportsnet uh, and you'll also be able to see him on day two uh, on the NHL network uh, south of the border. Now, uh, we're going to ask you, or I'm going to ask you about a, a player that you probably have ranked uh, higher for you than most other people do. Uh, and I think uh, one quick look at your uh, ranking would uh, jump out. Marco Casper is, uh, is one of those guys for sure. You have him in your top 10. A lot of people have him, you know, in the teens or something like that. But uh, he's, a, he's a guy that you think could go as high as uh, the top 10. Uh, tell me why. I think he could go as high as number five. I really feel that strongly about his game. So the first thing that jumped out at me is that we get to the combine. He shows up in a suit uh, and he's in it to win it. He's a pro through and through. So he talks confidently. He doesn't, he engages in the conversation with you. He answers your questions. He looks you in the eye. There's a calmness about him from a character and a personality perspective. And that continued for me when you started to, to investigate his story. At 16 years old, he leaves uh, Austria to go play in the SHL because the competition is better there. It's sort of like what happened with, with Marco Rossi. And so he goes over there. At 16 years old, his parents drop him off. They've got an apartment. They stay with him for two weeks. They're like, all right, dude, here's what you got to do. Here's how you got to cook, clean, do your laundry. Okay, we'll see you later. So to, to leave his country, to go to a foreign country, um, to still have the responsibility to go to school, speak three different languages. I mean, it's just awesome to think that he was giving all of that up just to go and play at a better level and develop his game better. So that's the, the off-ice stuff. And I think a lot of people gravitate towards that, the off-site, the off-ice stuff. Now, you get to the player, and he's just a 200-foot guy. And again, a super reliable guy. You look at the basement for this player as being your second-line center. And I think there's a lot of belief out there that he's got a lot more offense to provide, um, but just wasn't really given those opportunities by the Abbots early on in the year. And they really made him work for his ice. He got pissed sometimes that he wasn't playing to, you know, the, the, the minutes he thought he should have been playing and some of the leverage situations that he shot thought he should have been playing. But as the year grew on and into the playoffs, he really started to apply himself. The coaching staff had more trust in him, played him in more important situations and I think you saw it with Austria playing with um, the, the men's team at the Worlds, just how effective a player he can be. So when you're looking at a guy as a basement 200-foot guy as a second line, and you think, oh, my gosh, if we can ever unearth some more offense out of this guy, he's going to be someone that we project that, oh, maybe there is some, some um, you know, top, you know, a top-line potential for this player. And I think that's why he's starting to get some of the recognition. But I can almost guarantee you he – that he will not be outside of the top 10 and he will go as early as five and maybe just maybe inside of five. Wow. Well, okay. That's a real draft day wild card. Then Marco Casper is Austrian. Uh, and we don't uh, talk about Austrians as uh, being safe picks necessarily, but uh, the way you describe it, man, it sounds like you don't know necessarily what the high end is going to be, but the low end is so good that you're pretty safe taking this guy. Cause it sounds like he's almost a surefire NHLer. Yeah, it, it, everyone everyone believes that. Everyone believes he's a surefire NHLer, and everyone I, that I've spoken to 
you know, loves the character and, and loves the high side with this guy. And I think that's what's pretty cool because you see it already now against men. You see it at the men's world. Um, and now you're thinking, okay, he's in the SHL. Let's surround him with NHL players. He's playing for the, the, the Austrian team at the men's worlds. Let's surround him with NHL players. Oh my goodness. This guy's going to be awesome. So there's a lot to be said there. And that's not taking anything away from what he's done in the SHL. Not at all, but it is to say that if he can do those things with those players, let's get him into, you know, the high level NHL and, and see what that potential that we can draw out of him is. All right, great rundown on Marco Casper. Uh, one more guy to get to, and this will be a player that uh, that you like, but not necessarily as much as other people seem to like him. And if you're a team picking and uh, somebody else takes this guy right in front of you, you're okay with that because it means somebody you like more has fallen down one spot. So you like Tristan Luno, just you don't like him as much as other people. Well, what's your concern? Uh, honestly, my concerns are more medical than anything. Because if you know the kid, like I've talked to him a couple of times this year. Oh my gosh, is he? He's just a pleasure. So from a character perspective, there's nothing that you wouldn't like about this young man. And you know, it's funny. I'm doing some work on him. I put out my last list. The next morning, um, I, I get a text from someone in Gatineau, and they're like, "Hey, check this out. This guy's on the bike at 6:30 a.m. It's the off season for him now. He's on the bike 6:30 a.m." So the one thing that I had concerns about is we go to the combine and he doesn't take part in any of the jumping or lower body uh, testing. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. I mean, I never, I, I know there was an injury that, that kept him out for a good portion uh, of last year and a good portion of the early part of this year, but he played and played through the playoffs. You know, what's going on here? Um, it wasn't like something that was documented to say, like a David Juracek, he never showed, or right. you know, Slavkovsky who comes over who had who was just so tired from all the hockey that he played and just coming off the world, like he didn't participate. So there wasn't anything documented for that for Luno, and and it gave me some concern. And as I started to dig a little bit deeper and talk to some NHL teams, unfortunately there's some concerns about uh you know about a lower body issue that they worry might linger on and so that's the only reason i would have him outside of that now you could say is he smart enough you know does he have the hockey iq to be that guy as a first round pick some people will question that some scouts have questioned that there's no doubt about that but if you look at his skating it's a little bit awkward still and i think the lower body issues have something to do with that uh but all told man it, it just sucks because you'd like for him to be perfectly okay in terms of the medical stuff, because you know you're getting a first-class character with this kid. So the only reason I have him outside the first is because I do believe that some teams feel that there are going to be some concerns uh, with the long term, and and it's too bad that that's the case. That's uh, uh, yeah, it sounds uh, unfortunate for a guy like that. I remember I had him on the show, and I I remember thinking he was a terrific interview as well. And oh yeah. Well, Sam, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, what do you got coming out at sportsnet.ca between now and the draft? Yeah, so still working on the mock draft. That'll come out on Tuesday uh, the 5th. Okay. Uh, and then you'll see us do a couple odds and ends there on the Wednesday the 6th and then ready to rock with uh, what should be a pretty wild affair on the, on the 7th and 8th. Really looking forward to it. As always, Sam, really appreciate it, man. Uh, to have, a, have a good draft and a good broadcast and uh, then enjoy the summer. 
All right, Key. Yeah, thanks so much. Enjoy the summer yourself. Thanks for having me on. There is Sam Cosentino from Rogers Sportsnet. As he mentioned, Sportsnet will have a broadcast of the draft day one and day two. And day two, he will be part of the panel on the NHL network uh, for their day two coverage. And that, to me, is where Sam really shines because it's hard when you get into the third and fourth round to have info on some of these players. And a lot of the guys that are on the the panel for these uh, broadcasts, they're full-time NHL guys. And they might have some access, and they'll be talking to people and scouts about some of the players that are eligible for the draft. But to really get to know those guys in the in the later rounds, you got to do a lot of homework. And Sam does that as well as anybody else. So uh, if you get a chance to watch Sam on the uh, the draft broadcast uh, for NHL Network, make sure you do, especially on day two. Day one will be uh, he'll knock it out of the park as well. But uh, day two is where he really gets to flex his muscles. Next up on the Pipeline Show, well. Will it be a scout? Will it be a player? You'll find out as the Pipeline Show continues. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Back after this. Adam Fantilli spins a pass, though. Samuel Scavage up high, scores! The Stingray in overtime, up high! Pierce is one by Corpy, and Chicago wins a thriller. Four to three, Mackie Samoskevich, welcome back, Stingray. Hey, this is Mackie Samoskevich from the Chicago Steel, and this is the Pipeline Show. Are you a U15 or U17 player looking to sharpen up your skills, have fun, and get conditioned for the upcoming hockey season? Let our coaches and players get you ready at the Spruce Grove Saints 4th Annual Hockey School, brought to you by NextGen Transportation. The camp takes place August 22nd to 26th at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. The camp includes over 10 hours of on and off ice training. For more details and to register for the camp, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca slash community slash hockey school today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. This is The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey. It's Alberta's best beef turkey. Check them out at wilhockbeefturkey.com. All right, we're going to continue on with the uh, scout series, and I get to talk with another scout who is uh, covering all the prospects and uh, knows the 2022 draft uh, inside and out, and uh, we're going to pick his brain. As I'm uh, pleased to be joined this time in this segment by uh, Grant McCagg. Tell me about recruits and uh, what you do, how long it's been around, how do people get your rankings, etc. Hey, Keith. Really happy to be on with you there. Yeah, well, recruits, I started it up in, uh, in 2017, in February 2017. So my uh, my first draft guide was the the 2017 draft, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean it's been a you know it's been a really interesting five years. Uh, certainly every year there seems to be lots of intrigue, and no different for this year. But uh, I uh, I have a website recruits.ca, and that's with no lie is the way I like to say it. And uh, you you can uh, you can go on there and you can pick up pick up the draft guide or get a subscription to uh, you know, to all our draft coverage on there pretty easily. All right. Well, great stuff. Uh, people can check that out. Now, the uh, list of guys that we're going to chat about today, they're all power forwards. Uh, some of the York top uh, power forwards available for the class of 2022. And I guess if we're talking about big guys who can put up points and, and play a physical game, you kind of have to start with your Slavkowski, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, 
we're old school, or at least I am. I won't speak for you, but you know, grew up with the Rick Tockets of the world and stuff. Mm-hmm. But we know, we know the game's changed. Where you know, there aren't the the, the power forward of those days that isn't necessarily the power forward of today, where he's dropping the gloves and and all that stuff all that often. But uh, I mean, maybe Slavkovsky does. I don't really know, but I do know that he. Um, he brings all the all the uh, the tools that in a modern what a modern day uh, power forward would, would be. Um, he's just uh, he's just a horse out there. He's already 220 pounds, six four, great hands. What I think makes him so effective in the power forward sense is that he's already um, it's almost impossible to get the puck from him when he's got it. He's very good down low on the cycle, very good at, at retrieving pucks, and already. Uh, Extremely strong. Like uh, we saw that in the Olympics and the um, World Championships, where he was uh, he was plowing over men, you know, in a lot of instances. And it was it, it was just really it was one of the main reasons why he just said, "Oh, I mean, this guy, you know, it, it's just the tip of the iceberg with him. He's just going to keep improving here." And uh, why I think that he's uh, not only the top power forward in this in this draft class, but also the top player in, in the entire draft. Well, he was the top player at the Olympics. We saw him at the World uh, Championship as well, and he's been playing all season uh, with and against men in the uh, Finnish top league in the Liga. Uh, there's lots to like about him. You mentioned the size, the speed, the hands, obviously. Is there anything that concerns you at all about him? Well, I guess the the fact that he, you know, he didn't produce the first uh, 30, uh, 30 games or, sorry, 20 games anyways in, in the Finnish Elite League where, you, you, you question maybe a little bit uh, about whether you know does he have the, um, the the high offensive upside that maybe some other prospects have, but I think he answered that those questions to to a large degree in the second half, and uh, so I, I mean it's less of a concern obviously than it was a few months ago, mm-hmm. or uh, we wouldn't have him at the top of the draft now. All right, that's Yuri Slakowski, uh, who, uh, again, a lot of people think he's going to be, well, I think everybody thinks he's going to be top three. Uh, a lot of people are starting to think he could be the number one guy uh, going to the Montreal Canadiens, which uh, is, you're in that group, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I think it's, I think he's the best player available. I think he has the most upside. I think he's uh, certainly, if not the safest, uh, one of the safest picks. And I also think he's, he's a great fit for the Canadians. I just don't see, they, they've needed, uh, size in their top six i think forever you know since mm-hmm. the 90s really and uh it's just it, it it's a perfect fit for the organization for the top six and i think also for the for the top line like i see him getting plugged in with uh Caulfield and, and suzuki and uh being very effective uh pretty early on grant mccagg my guest uh, he's uh, the head of uh, recruits.ca you can check them out online. You can also find uh, Grant on uh, the old Twitter machine, at Grant McCagg. And it's uh, two C's and two G's in McCagg. All right, let's go to uh, a couple of players that played for the National Development Program this past season. Uh, we'll start with Cutter Goche, because here's a guy, again, a lot of people, well, most people seem to think he could be a top 10, top 15 guy, but there are some who don't have him ranked that high. But when it comes to being power forwards uh, out of this draft class, he's got to be one of the guys in the conversation. Uh, tell me why. Um, I think a lot of NHL scouts have him in the top five, to be honest with you. Wow. Uh, it's it's funny that the public list, I think, have been underrating him a little bit with what my sense has been 
in talking with uh, with the NHS scouts that I know, they're uh, uh, like there's a lot of talk that Philly's going to probably take him at five. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I certainly wouldn't be surprised by that. In fact, I'm expecting it, but maybe they'll take someone else. But it, it seems like a perfect fit if they end up keeping the keeping the the pick. Uh, he's just uh, he's very versatile. He's also he can also play center. I know when uh, when Olden Cooley was away at the at the um, the World Juniors, he they slotted him in at center, and I mean he had a hat trick one game, and scouts a lot of scouts were at, and they they all you know said, oh, you know, well, imagine this guy six three, the way he can skate, uh, handle the puck, shoot the puck, uh, pass the puck, you know, if he ends up being centerman, uh, I mean that that increases value a lot with a with a lot of scouts who who haven't discounted that perhaps he ends up going to going to the middle uh in college hmm. certainly as a pro so uh but he certainly he's already very good in, on draws so he can he can play he can play uh you know he can play on, at any forward position so you love the versatility you love the size he's physical very strong uh you know the, just like Slavkowski the size skating combination is uh very intriguing with with, with him and it's uh it's a main reason along with his shot and uh, that that I think he's going to go top eight for sure and uh, maybe top five. Well, listen, I'm a Flyers guy, so if uh, Philly ends up taking him, I'm probably pretty happy with that. 34 goals this year in 54 games, 65 points overall. There's lots to like. Is there anything that is a, a bit of a concern? Are there areas of his game that you think uh, he needs to refine uh, maybe at Boston College, uh, and uh, before he gets to be a pro, he's one of the you know just like Slavkovsky, there aren't any glaring weaknesses. Uh, you know, I mean, he checks off all the boxes. The only, I guess, you could say, uh, you, you hope that he's a little more, a little more consistency in how um, physical he plays. You okay, know? Uh, just consistent, uh, uh, competitive wise, and I mean that goes for a lot of young guys. It, it Maybe you know part of it might be just getting better endurance and better uh, getting stronger as as he matures. But yeah, I mean, you know, like a lot of young lads, you, you hope that he, he becomes a little in his compete. Lots of great names on the U.S. National Development Program this year, and uh, Cutter Goche, one of them. Rutger McGrady is another one. That's a great name as well, and <laughs> another power forward. Thirty-five goals as well, sixty-nine points uh, for McGrady. Uh, now there there are similar players, but not the same players. How are McGrory and and Goche different, in your opinion? Um, I, I'd say McGrory is more consistent with his effort. Like he uh, he, he might be, um, you know, he's top three on every scout that I pulled. I do a uh, eight, eight categories where I pull NHL scouts. Uh, as far as most competitive, hmm. everyone had him top two on their list. Um, so you know, not that Cutter isn't competitive, but um, yeah, Lester's right at the top of the draft in that regard. Okay. Um, but Cutter is a better skater at this point, at least, and probably in the future as well. It's usually the case, you know. Uh, he'll improve his skating too. Well, another guy can improve his skating, but yeah, but the guy that's already a better skater is probably going to improve his skating as well. So you know, um, he. That's the one thing that uh, people um, are a little concerned about, but 
he's such a character kid. And, uh, um, as, uh, Pete, uh, Krupski, uh, replied there on Twitter, I noticed that I'm, I agree hundred percent, like he's going to get it done. And I've had scouts echo that sentiment exactly that he's just such a character kid. If he has to improve the skating, he'll improve the skater, you know? And, uh, I think scouts are pretty confident of that as well. And he's a, he might be a little bit of a dark horse where you might see a team say, well, we just love, cause he's got a great shot too. He's just like Goche. They both can snipe hmm. and, uh, you know, big kid that competes like that strong, uh, character guy. He was captain of the team, great leader. Um, he might go top 20. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I've got him on 30, but it, because of the, the skating machine, but it, it may be something overcomes and becomes a great pro. Uh, Grant McCagg is my guest. Now, I'm not a scout, and when it comes to trying to analyze a guy's skating, uh, I, I can't do that. So uh, I think of guys who are bad skaters as junior players. You know, Mark Stone was not a good skater with the Brandon Weekings, but he's carved out a pretty darn good NHL career for himself. To me, it seems like skating, if, if you're weak in one area, if it's skating, that's probably the, the area that you can work on the most from a physical or a technical standpoint. When you look at McGrory skating, do you see it more of a technical thing or just as he gets stronger with that physical maturity, that that's going to come around a little bit just because he's going to get some man strength. Uh, I don't know if it's a mechanical thing or a strength thing. Right. Uh, do you have an idea? Well, you know, I... Um... I rely a lot on on the input of NHL scouts right. in, in uh, shaping my list and, and uh, my opinions. I um, I don't get to see all these guys live. I, I get to as many. I mean, I get to as many live games as I can, but sure. I'm not I'm not uh, going around. So I, I I really you know I value their input, especially on that exact thing, whether it's a mechanical thing or a strength thing, because it's it's. You know, I mean, I can, I can make my own assumptions, uh, watching on video, but, uh, I think that they're, that seeing them live all the time, uh, get a better feel for that. And what they've been saying mostly is uh, they think that it, it, it's not, you know, it may not be a fatal flaw as, as a lot of them put, you know, where he can overcome it, where it may be more of a strength thing. Than, than anything else. Okay. But yeah, I mean, Nick Paul's another guy that, I mean, he did the 10 to 2, you know, and that's usually, well, you just stroke the guy right off the, your draft list when, you know, when he skates, uh, with his, with his, uh, toes pointed 10 to 2, as they say, you know, on the clock. So, uh, but I mean, you know, he just signed a seven year extension with Tampa Bay and has carved out a pretty, uh, pretty impressive uh, pro career for a guy that uh, went in the mid rounds that they said couldn't skate either. Right. Yeah. So it, it's something you can definitely work on, but um, it's also the most important thing I think for an NHLer. So uh, you, you have to kind of weigh the two things and, and try to determine, as you say, whether it's a, whether it's a strength thing or a mechanical thing more so, you know, which, which is it, or is it both or, How's the kid? Is he, does he, is he the kind of kid that's gonna put in the requisite work? You, you, you know, you, you research all that stuff and you, and you come up with your projection, but it's certainly not, it's an inexact science and, they, and it's hard to do. 
Let's move on to the next guy, and it's an, a Finnish forward who was uh, listed on the sheet. I'm looking at at 6'3 and 216 pounds. Uh, Yanni Neiman is his name, has not been brought up on this show at all this season, so I'm looking forward to this. Educate me and tell me all about Yanni Neiman. Neiman's uh, excellent along the wall. He's, uh, he's got like Slavkovsky size there. He's 6'3 and a half. Two, he's up to 6'3 and a half was what he was measured at the combine. Um like almost 220, basically the same size as Lafkowski. Doesn't use the size as uh, as often as Laugh would, I would say. Fair, fair to say, but he uh, he protects the puck really well. He co- he comes off the wall very effectively using his size, and and um, very very hard to get the puck off him. He's got uh, very good hands for a big kid. Skates pretty well. He's going to be a good skater. Um, uh, all signs point to that, and uh, and can can shoot. He's he's a good, he's a goal scorer. He scored lots of goals this year, and um, you've got top two line upside. Uh, I think you might be one of the uh, wild cards of this draft. Where you, I, I know I had NHL scouts telling me they expect him to go top forty. I think he he was a riser at the end of the year and really impressed at the at the U eighteen. Maybe a guy we should expect to see at the World Junior Championship, the do-over, the 2022 version here in August. He, he wasn't on the team in uh, in December, uh, but he's been playing against men all season, has he not? Uh, played a lot of junior, um, but he, yeah, played both. And uh, very, uh, uh, scored a lot of goals in junior, got a look up top, but he's... Uh, of how good he was at the at the world at the uh, under 18s, I think yeah he'll definitely get an invite to camp and and perhaps and hopefully make the team. All right, well we'll look for you, Yanni Neiman. Uh, one more power forward to get to, and that's uh, a guy I did get to see firsthand uh, in the WHL final as uh, Seattle was here to take on the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, Reed Schaefer, who is a uh, local product uh, from just outside of Edmonton, listed at six three and two fifteen. And uh, had a pretty strong season for the uh, the T-Birds, 58 points, 32 goals in 66 games, and was almost a point-per-game guy in the playoffs as well. Uh, seems, on at least on paper, lots to like about Reed Schaefer. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. He's a guy that uh, I, I watched Seattle quite a bit on video because, you know, obviously they had Korczynski too and Gustafsson, and, and they had another young lad. They ended up trading away uh, with the funny, funny, Pronunciation, I can't remember, but they, they had a bunch of guys to, to keep tabs on this year. And um, early on, like, you know, you saw this. And where is Schaefer? Because I kept looking at this kid and saying, holy geez, you know, he's scoring goals. He's, he's, uh, he's using his size. He, you know, he's good along the wall. He's smart. They've, they've gone and playing like 20 plus minutes, a lot of nights, killing penalties, first penalty kill, first power play. How come? You know, how come this guy's not in the top 40 mix or even the top two rounds? And, and scouts didn't, uh, for whatever reasons, most of the scouts that I that, that I deal with, the NHL scouts are predominantly in the East. So, you know, they, they go out when uh, when the regional guys recommend mm-hmm. players because they're all crossover scouts, but they don't, they, uh, you know, they didn't get to see him their first round for whatever reasons that, uh, of WHL teams and uh so it wasn't until like you know spring almost that they, that they finally got to see him and and then the one guy in particular just kept going back because you know all of a sudden it was like oh okay 
we might be getting this guy because he's good. You know, he, uh, yeah, he really impressed me this year. And um, another guy, and I think it's often the case with the six three, six four kids that they got to be. You know, they you hope that they become a little more consistent because mm-hmm. uh, you saw flashes of where it was just okay. This uh, this guy could be a, a top two line power forward, and then you you wouldn't see much from him for the rest of the game, and and then you get concerned again. So, uh, like a lot of you know big young kids, they it, it, it's a it, it's a matter of getting stronger and uh, and learning to be more consistent. All right, that's Reed Schaefer of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, now we uh, we finished with the the power forward list. I wanted to get a, a personal favorite of yours. It didn't have to be a power forward. Uh, and uh, so somebody in the in the first round that you might have ranked personally a lot higher than a lot of uh, other uh, public lists out there. And the guy you picked out was Noah Osland, uh, who's a, a Swedish forward, 5'11", 163 pounds. So not a very big guy, not a power forward, but he's putting up big numbers. Uh, tell me about Osland and why you like him so much. Yeah, I, I ranked him second overall for the draft. So. How high? I don't know of anybody else that has him uh, anywhere close to that. So. Did you say second overall? Safe to say that he is a personal favorite. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I have him second overall. Okay. Uh, he was uh, from every scout that I've talked to, and I mean, I I thought so as well, was he was the best player at the U18s. And I mean, that's a pretty important competition, you know. Uh, he went head-to-head against Cooley and outplayed him in the gold medal game, scored two goals. Uh you know, you know, they had they had nine faceoffs against each other. He won seven of them. Uh, yeah, uh, they won the game. He was on twenty six minutes and outplayed him. I thought uh, by a fair margin. Um, and I mean, I went back that whole tournament. He was just incredible. Uh, and um, I went back and looked at a lot of tape during the year. And he, um, I think he's the smartest player in this draft class. And also one of the top two skaters, and uh, maybe the best defensive forward. It's funny, I did six six of the eight categories that I did the skates pull with. Uh, he was he ended up being in, uh, which surprises me that the public lists have him so low. I know he was the big riser on on Bob's Bob McKenzie's list. Uh, still only ended up twenty second, but mm-hmm. usually that's a pretty good indication of a kid. Whenever there's a big riser like that on Bob's list, you'll see that where where they ranked uh, isn't where they get picked. Like he'll, I'd be surprised if he doesn't go top fifteen. And obviously, he's not going to go top two. But I I I foresee him being a Barzal type uh, centerman, uh, but better defensively, just a, an all round um, excellent second line center and. We'll, we'll see if I'm right or not, obviously, and it, it's going to be so fun to follow this kid because I just love him. All right. Well, you've got me sold on him. I'm really intrigued to see now where he goes uh, on uh, draft day later on this week. <laughs> all right. One more guy to get to, and it's uh, not necessarily a player that you don't like at all. You just don't like him as much as a lot of other people seem to. And if you're a team, uh, this is the way I'm phrasing it for everybody else, is if you're a team picking and Connor Geeky gets selected right before you, you're okay with that because it probably means somebody that you like more has been pushed down one more spot to you. So it doesn't mean you don't like Connor Geeky, uh, but you don't like him as much as other people seem to. Tell me why. Yeah, that was a tough one, um, but I did get some backing. I know an NHL scout that's a good friend that doesn't have him in his top 20, 
And the more I looked at it, and the more I, uh, I looked um, at the game tape and did, you know, did some studying the numbers and stuff, I just, I don't, I think we, we end up overrating the 6-3-7, and there seems to be one every draft, you know, I could name a bunch. I went back over the last eight drafts, and one but one or two, certainly none of the, the centermen that are 6-3 or taller that were picked high in the top 10, top 15 have overachieved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's Doc or Kakanyemi, or I mean, I can go, I can go down the list. Any any center that's over 6-2 that got drafted, um, they always seem to be, you know, Dylan Storm's another one where they put, there's an overemphasis on, on these guys because of their size. And I mean, he was in on six, 16% of Winnipeg's offense this year. For a kid that played top two, had really good line mates all year, uh, 18 minutes a game, and he was in on 16% of the offense. Uh, 70 points looks good on the surface, mm-hmm. but um, when a team scores more than 300 goals like Winnipeg did, you, you know, and you're playing the top two center role, you better get 70 points. You know, it's, it's when you, when you compare it with other players in the draft, especially CHLers that, that end up getting, um, picked in the top 15, invariably they're, they're 20 to 25% or higher. Uh, I think Jason Robertson in his draft year was in on 40 or 45% of Kingston's goals that year. It was something ridiculous number, you know, his percentage of goals that he scored were higher than, uh, you know, percentage of his team's goals were higher than Geeky's percentage of points this year. You know? Wow. And I mean, Robertson went 23rd overall, whatever it was, but there were reasons for that, right? But, yep. uh, or no, he went in the second round. So I had him ranked 23rd overall. That's it. But, uh, I mean, Geeky's, uh, you know, he's a good, uh, a good centerman. He, uh, when he uses his size, when, when he's engaged, it, it's like, you know, it's like a broken record here, but when he's consistent in his competitiveness, he, he's pretty effective. Um, I don't know that he, you know, I think he'll be an okay skater, but certainly not above average at the NHL level. Um, yeah, I don't know that his skills are above average at the NHL level, but he, he's got the size. So you, you look at a middle middle center potential. You know, I uh, might end up being a third line center. Well, do you want that in your top fifteen? Probably not. So he—he's the one guy that I know. You, you see him top ten on a lot of lists, and certainly top fifteen. And I ended up um, by the end of the, you know, by, when I did my final list, I had him at twenty, and I, I realized that's that's really the most. All right, well, good arguments there, and uh, we'll watch to see where all of those guys go on draft day. Uh, do you have any content coming out uh, before the draft itself at recruits.ca? That's a good question. If <laughs> something happens, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be on top of it. Certainly, there's been lots of news and rumors, and I put out a, an article uh, yesterday about you know what the Canadians might end up doing um, with the first pick because there's been a lot of chatter, certainly in the NHL. You know the NHL scouts. So it's been, I've been hearing a lot of different scenarios, and it's getting more and more intriguing because I don't think people know what the Habs are doing. All right, well that makes it more exciting for the fans, that's for sure. Grant, I really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. Okay, that was great. Thanks. I appreciate you getting in touch. 
Grant McCagg from recruits.ca. And I think of all of those players, they're all good players. I, I knew nothing about uh, Yanni Neiman and really intrigued by this player now. As I look up uh, more information about him, I mean, he's got that size, 6'3", 216 pounds. Played this season with a Kuvi in the Mestis League in Finland. I know nothing about this league. I looked it up. He led his team in scoring by a mile. He had 18 goals. No one else on his club even had 10. And he's 17 years old, and that is a pro league. He's playing with a lot of players who are, you know, in their early 20s, in mid-20s, late 20s. So that's impressive to me. I, I don't know. I, again, I don't know anything about the league. Is it like the Finnish version of, of the Allsvenskan, the second division of the pro league in Sweden underneath the SHL? I don't know. If you know, you can let me know at TPS underscore Guy. But uh, Yanni Neiman, an interesting name there to watch for on draft day. We got one more scout to get to, and then the final 2022 draft spotlight segment of season 17. But uh, first, the scout. His name is Ross McLean from McLean Hockey down in Calgary, and he is going to tell us about the natural goal scorers for the class of 2022. That is next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, it's Moritz Seider from the Adler Mannheim of Germany. Zwei auf eins, Isis mit Seider und der macht sein erstes Deltor. 5-1, Mannheim, Moritz Seider. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Who is this genius? Welcome back to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. The world consists of two people. Those who know Wilhock Beef Jerky is the best beef jerky on the planet and those who haven't tasted it yet. And I'm not sure about my next guest, but uh, Ross McLean from McLean Hockey. Are you a big beef jerky fan, uh, Ross? I am a big beef jerky guy, yeah. All right. We'll have to hook you up then. They're right in Alberta, so you can get it either in Leduc or Spruce Grove, or they'll they'll ship it to you, too. So just go to wilhawkbeefjerky.com, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com. Uh, Ross McLean is my guest uh, as we're going to tee up the uh, top natural goal scorers uh, for the draft class of 2022. Uh, but before we do that, Ross, uh, McLean Hockey's got some skill sessions uh, going on right now and uh you have drop-in sessions you're a busy guy yeah yeah i like to uh keep my hand in a whole bunch of different jars here so uh many different hats we're wearing right now and but i love getting on the ice with the players so we've got a bunch of bunch of sessions now we've got u7 kids all the way up to pro players right now but probably my favorite group to work with is that kind of u18 u20 group and there's some uh some good names some guys have been just drafted in the western league some western league players in town and uh and then uh, we're mixing in some of the the women's national team members as well. So uh, it's uh, it's been a fun 
fun few weeks here skating with those guys and that's going to keep me busy the rest of the summer here. and you're down in cowtown so anybody that's in that area how do they find out when the flexible drop-in ice times are and what the schedule is like yeah if anybody's interested in skating uh uh m-a-c-l-e-a-n um the, well the schedules will be updated and posted there and uh, anybody's free to jump out at any time we'd love to work with you all right you're a hockey development specialist you, you've been a, a scout with uh, hockey canada and a coach with hockey canada uh, and uh, of course, you're a leadership enthusiast, and that's the uh, that's the role we appreciate the most <laughs> from you, Ross. But we're going to talk about the top five uh, goal scorers uh, in the draft class of 2022. And I asked you for a list, and the first guy on your list was Joachim Kemmel. And I'm not surprised you always have an affinity for the Finns. Uh, but why was uh, Kemmel uh, one of the guys that was on your top five list? Well, to me, he's the pure shooter in this draft class. Uh, he fits that modern mold of that sniper that we've seen kind of adapt over the years with the Kovalchuk and Stamkos, Ovechkin, Line A, so on. He's got that that same sort of element that they do. His shot kind of comes out of nowhere. His accuracy is deadly. He's a perfect trigger man. Uh, not to say he doesn't possess dynamic skill, because I've seen him do some pretty amazing things around the puck. Uh, but uh, to me, if you want a shooter in, dra- in this draft, this is the guy. He just he finds open space. His one-timer is incredible. Uh his release uh, off the rush is is outstanding. And he finds that little space under the bar past the goalie's head all the time. Uh, I've just loved him every single time I've watched him. 23 points this year playing in the Liga in Finland. 15 of those were goals. Is that exceptional when you compare it to previous years with players his age? Or how does that fit in with uh, you know guys who have been in his footsteps uh, before him? Yeah, that's not easy to do. So that's that's kind of on pace with your you know your line aids and, and and so on. Players that have gone up and done well in that league. Uh, to me, he kind of again he fits in that mold. He's just he knows how to shoot a puck at, at an early age, like uh, as he is, and he's able to do it against men. And the fact that he's able to do that, uh, you know, makes him a, a pretty safe bet uh, for an NHL club looking for you know somebody to play with in the next probably two years. He he, he could jump into a lineup. He's already he's got that development pathway. That that trend is is good. So. Uh, there's there's not a lot of downside here. Um, so, I, again, to me, he's just the purest shooter. He's been able to do it against men. Uh, he's, a, he's a no-brainer to me. Any concern about uh, size? What is he, 5'9", 5'10"? Yeah, you know, again, you fall into that range now. We used to have that sense because the game was so physical and about getting the middle, and it still is to some extent, especially when we get into the playoffs. But these smaller players have adapted so well, and again, we call them we call them smaller, they're shorter. He's powerful. He can get in on guys' hands. He can win space to the middle extremely well. He finds really good areas to get pucks off, and he doesn't need a ton of space. So, you know, what we've seen from him so far is that this this isn't a hindrance. If anything, he knows how to use it properly. And, you know, we've started to see that with some guys at the NHL level with your, you know, Cole Caulfields and Johnny Gaudreau's and so on. When they know how to use their size, mm-hmm. there's an advantage to actually being a shorter player. All right, there's two or three other little guys that we're going to get to, but uh, the next guy on the list is uh, one of the bigger players in the draft class at 6'4 and, all, what, about 220. That's Yuri Slavkoski, who everybody knows will go in the very high end of the draft. What makes him a, a natural-born shooter? Well, I, I believe that he's kind of the premier power forward option available in this draft. You know, he's got size, but he's got these really soft, quick hands that you typically don't see in players of his size. Um, he uses his reach well. So again, another guy that knows his size and knows how to use it appropriately for, for what he has. He protects pucks well. He can do it driving the net. He can come off the wall. He can change the angles of his shot. Uh, you know, I think he's got great net vision 
and he knows where to find pucks and how to finish them in a variety of situations. These are the types of things that I think set him apart. Um, you know, he's not your typical hammer the puck shooter, um, but he's still got the ability to get it to the net pretty well. Um, but I think he's more cerebral and I think he creates offense in fascinating ways. You know, when you watch him, there's, there's not really this, you know, one thing that he does that you, you think, Oh, this guy's going to be able to keep doing that at the NHL level over and over and over again. He scores goals in, in different ways. And I, to me, I just love the way he comes off the wall. He's able to kind of overpower out muscle guys. And he's done this against men at the Olympics. So we've got great uh, examples of him doing this stuff already uh, and just winning that space. Uh, and to me, you know, being able to win time and space is one of the predominant factors in, in scoring goals. And I think he's just got this great understanding of it again at an early age uh, that again, he's another one of those guys that's a very safe player that's probably ready to play. He might be the most physiologically ready to play player uh, in this draft, which again is something that's, that's appealing to teams that are drafting early in the first round. Is it the fact that he did it at the Olympics at the world championship and all season long against men playing with and against men that that gives you that confidence that he could step right in next season? For sure. When you see that level of consistency, uh, and again, when you watch him, you can see there's some there's still some pretty glaring flaws in his game, but that's a good thing uh, when you're as talented as he is because you know there's more room for him to grow. You know there's things that NHL-level coaching can teach him that that experience is going to get for him. So, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's very safe in that way, and it, it certainly gives you confidence uh, knowing, you know, making a pick like that, that this is a guy that's, that's going to come in, that he's already done that with man. He knows that element. There's not going to be as big of a learning curve. So, absolutely, there's definitely appeal uh, to that side of it. All right, that was uh, Yuri Slavkovsky. Now, next guy on the list is Jagger Furkus of the Moose Jaw Warriors, who is a thrill-a-minute player. He's uh, not very big, though, at 5'10 and 155 pounds. I think I might have been in grade 8 the last time I was 155 pounds. For you, Ross, is this a guy that was a late bloomer in some regard? seemed like he started to get everybody's attention at the CHL Top Prospect game, but those of us who watched the WHL took note of him much earlier than that. What about for you? I got to scout this guy when he was playing U15, uh, and I, you know I saw him even before that. And he's always been electric. He's just had this creative instinct to him, where he just wants to do things that most players aren't confident enough to try. Uh, and that's always kind of stuck with me. I was curious to see how he'd do at the Western League level, and he's just seemed to hit the ground running. And he just keeps getting better and better. And every time that you want to use that element of his size against him, he just, again, he's another one of those players that knows his size and knows how to use it appropriately to the game that he's playing. You know, you get to the NHL level, there's going to be players that know how to deny that. But I think he's creative enough that he's going to, he's going to be able to get around that. He's going to be able to to sort that out. I just, I love the way that he thinks the game. Uh, and I think he's got, you know, just in terms of broadcasting, you know, that Furcus Circus idea is just the greatest because he is, when you know, when you watch him, he is, he's the Furcus Circus. He's, he's just, he's so dynamic. He can do so many things. He, he can get you out of your seat, which is, you know, a really fun thing when you're looking at a prospect that, you know, if you're bringing players like that in the organization that can excite your fan base, this is the type of kid that, you know, can provide some of that. All right, Furcus Circus. I'm just writing that down uh, to use next year during <laughs> Oil King broadcast. Uh, it's always been the moves like Jagger kind of line, but uh, I like that, Furcus Circus. Uh, now another guy who's a, another thrill a minute playing out in the queue is Jordan Dume, who set team records this year uh, for his performance where he had 109 points in 68 games. 39 of those were goals, yet he doesn't get invited to the CHL top prospect game. He's like rated late second, maybe even a third round kind of guy. 
what's what's the issue there? Because this is a guy, 39 goals. Again, this is a sniper. Yeah, okay. The thing with this kid is he's throwing scouts off all over the place, and he's got to be the most underrated player in the draft, but also maybe probably the most overthought prospect too. He's one of those guys that you watch and you just you, your brain starts going a mile a minute because you're trying to figure him out. You know, what he does really well is he, he gets pucks to threatening positions. So the knock on him is that he can't really get out of the perimeter lanes as well as some guys. And for a, you know, a high skilled player that that tends to be where the overthinking starts to happen. You know, oh, if he can't do that here, he's not gonna be able to do it at that next level. He doesn't really wow you with any one skill. He's kind of passable in all of them, if not underdeveloped. And, you know, I think this is actually part of what excites me the most about him. I, I see him as being kind of like a Pascal Dupuis. Uh, he's incredibly intelligent. He adapts to different game speeds and teammates well. And what he does so well is he pushes pucks to the net. And that's, you know, where most of the goals are scored. So, uh, you know, he, he's more of a playmaker than he is a pure shooter per se, but his shot creates chaos so often. And he does it mostly from the perimeter that while you could argue this is a flaw, to me, this is something that's actually projectable at the NHL level. And, you know, while he's a smaller player, the fact that there are so many areas of his game makes him a really, really solid roll of the dice to me in my eyes of the draft. Skating? Is is skating up to, to snuff? Or, or is that something that, of all the facets, if you're going to be weak in an area, skating is the one you could probably work on the most just by, by training and getting a good skating teacher and uh, and uh, and working on your mechanics. is. But what's his skating yeah, like? He could use some McLean hockey drop-in sessions for <laughs> sure. But, there you go. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, skating, again, it, it's passable. It's not one of those skills that you look at and you're like, whoa, this this isn't good enough. It's it's good. There's still, you know, areas for it to improve 100%. And, again, I, I, I don't think he's reached his peak physical maturity yet. I think there's going to be uh, lots of ability for him to add power. Uh, and, and he processes the game at a particular speed that I, I believe his body's going to actually catch up to at some point. And I think, again, that's what, where I see Pascal Dupuis. And every time I watch him, I just think, oh, man, this is this is Pascal Dupuis. He's, just, he's, he's the perfect player that can process the game with another high-level thinker and be really, really complimentary. And the fact that he can get pucks to threatening positions, to me, that's one of the hardest things to do offensively. And, you know, I, I get the argument that, oh, he can't get his body there every single time, but he gets pucks there. He gets pucks to good positions, and he manufactures offense out of – out of anything. And to me, that's a really, really translatable skill and, and certainly something that, you know, if you've got some talent up front, this is a guy you can put with them that you know is going to be able to play with them. All right, last guy on the list of uh, natural goal, goal scorers to chat about. Well, we've actually got a couple more after that, but uh, Cutter Goche from the National Development Program is, uh, also fits that power forward uh, mold at 6'3 and 200 pounds, uh, but you singled him out as a goal scorer and he had a bunch of them this year, 34 of them uh, with the NTDP um, I guess go into uh, what you like about Goche. Yeah, he's a he's a big body with a shoot first mentality. He brings some power with his shot, but also seems to really kind of a knack for how to create secondary scoring chances and how to beat opponents to kind of win that space to get them. He surrounds the puck extremely well. To me, this is what translates so well to NHL scoring chances and the way that that game is trending. Um, and for him to have kind of already figured that out, add the size, add the strength that he that he has uh, to capitalize on it, I think it makes him one of the more really appealing players in that top ten. Uh, he's got great discipline and focus, finding pucks around the net. Uh, he's able to drive push bucks again to those threatening areas. Like we talked about with Dumay, he's able to do it with his body. Um, and so it, to me, he's, he's a wildly exciting player just because of, you know, what you're going to get with him. You know how he can create it, but you, 
as an opponent, it's really, really difficult to stop. So I, I think he's a nice luxury earlier in the draft. A high-end power forward that can score, is he like a one-shot scorer? I'm thinking that like Brock Besser, is there some comparison in that regard, or they play different games? Uh, to me, it's, you know, his first shot isn't always necessarily what gets me excited. It's his ability to create secondary chances and, and already have a plan for them. So, you know, he, he does have that ability to score off the shot like a Besser does. I don't know if I would necessarily, you know, compare the two in terms of being likability players. Um, it'd be hard actually for me to you just on the spot figure out who I think he, he plays like, but almost, almost like a Mark Stone in the way that he tracks those secondary chances, those pucks off pads, that now presence element. Um, So maybe somewhere in between those two in terms of, you know, how he, how he creates offense. All right. That sounds like a pretty intriguing player. Uh, Now I asked you for a personal favorite as well as uh, I'm speaking with Ross McLean from McLean hockey, by the way, Uh, Matthew Savoy is the guy you single out as a personal favorite. Uh, You don't do rankings, but if you did, is this a top 10 guy for you? Maybe even higher than that. Uh, What do you like about Savoy and where would you be willing to take him? I believe he's a top 10 player. Uh, you know, for me, I, I, this is another kid that I've watched. I've watched him play since he's about 11 years old. Um, I had the opportunity to, to coach him with, um, hockey Alberta at one point while well, mentor the coaches that coached him at hockey Alberta. And I just, he's a kid that's always kind of stuck with me, had this maturity. I remember going to watch him, at a, you know, provincial team tryouts and he's scoring, you know, seven goals a game. Um, so this is a kid has always known how to score. Uh, but to me, he creates with his speed, and I think that's what sets him apart. But he's also got this great instinct as well. He's not necessarily a pure shooter in the traditional sense of it, but his ability to execute shots from stride, and especially at high speeds, is really quite rare. And I think even at the NHL level, um, you know, I believe he's incredibly difficult to time and track, uh, and his shot locations vary just enough to spin goaltenders' brains into panic at times. I, I kind of see him as a bit of a a bit of a Jack Eichel type player um, in terms of style. Um, but I think he's also probably one of the players that I would consider to be one of the more underrated ones, even as a, a top 10 potential pick in this draft. Now, 35 goals. Uh, he is listed as a center. I have seen and uh, heard other people suggest maybe he should be a winger at the next level. Uh, what? Any thoughts on that? I probably prefer him as a center. I think he's feels or, or seems to be more natural in that position and his speed in the middle of the ice is so good. I get, I understand the appeal as a, uh, of him as a winger because he can get off the wall really quickly as well. But, uh, you know, I, again, I, as much as he's a pure shooter and he's able to create offense uh, with his speed and transition game, uh, his playmaking element is, is really uh, quite impressive as well. And I think that fits better uh, from the middle of the ice than it does uh, relegating him to the, to the boards, the half wall a little bit more. All right, we'll end it with your favorite uh, part of the conversation. That's a, a player that uh, that you like, but maybe not as much as uh, a lot of other people do who who are uh, putting out rankings out there. Um, so if if you're a team that's picking and he gets taken right before you, you're you're probably okay with that. Not that you don't like Jonathan Lakaramaki, but uh, there might be somebody that you like better that falls to you. Then, uh, what is it about Lakaramaki that gives you a, a bit of pause? Well, first off, I gotta I gotta give you credit here for changing the way you introduce this every year because every year this is the I don't want to talk bad about some kid here. I'm excited about all these. Things. <laughs> Why don't you like this guy? No, I wouldn't. Do well, that. you know, and you know, every year I take this as an opportunity to just sneak in my my opinion and love for another player, right. uh, and then I try to pretense it in a way that fits your your mold for it. But you know, this this is a guy. He's got a great shot. He might have one of the best shots in the entire draft. He's got a nose for the net. He's a right-handed shooter. Uh, yeah, there's, there's not a lot not to like 
you know, I think he's a highly projectable score for the next level, but I'd say the jury's still kind of out on his total value. You know, he's, he's somebody that's looking to go probably in the first half of the first round. And he's probably in that three to five year prospect development range. Um, you know, and I think that again, depending on who drafts him, I believe this is a kid who has that ability to develop chemistry with teammates, um, at an impressive rate. And given the right situation, it could probably accelerate his development path. I think he's kind of just more of a complementary offensive option and not a guy that necessarily drives offense on his own. Um, but again, given the right situation, I think he could be one of the better players drafted here because he can he can absorb uh, what other other players can offer and and really create some options for them. So I, I, I believe he's a, a complementary shooter. And just the fact that he's not able to drive the offense, I think he's one of those players, you know, when we talk with some of these guys that, that he's going to go early and I think rightfully so he should go early, but I think he's a little bit more of a risk uh, long-term than, than some of the other guys that'll go around him. But again, the risk reward with this kid is, is really high. And, and, you know, if he ever listens to this, I really like him. <laughs> Excellent. Well said. I appreciate uh, your, your candor on uh, why you don't like LeCaramacchi at all. No, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, Ross, I appreciate your time. This was great to catch up once again. And again, for uh, those who are, are down in the Calgary area and, and want to get on some uh, on, on the sheet of ice that you're at, which rink are you uh, working out of, by the way? We run out of the Windsport facility, the, the home of Hockey Canada. Okay, perfect. And it's a drop-in, so they can just show up with their skates and stick. They need full equipment. Uh, what's the situation? Yeah, it's a full a full equipment skate, but uh, yeah, people are allowed to just, just show up or they can register online uh, through our website. That's uh, mcleanhockey.com. Ross, this was great. Thanks for this, man. Oh, I appreciate it. I, I love doing it. It's so much fun. That is Ross McLean from McLean Hockey, and uh, he's a good friend of the Pipeline Show, old friend of the program. Back when we really, really early days, maybe season two, uh, Dean and I on the radio, and Ross would join us right at the draft. Did he actually sit in on a draft with us? Maybe he, he might have done that as well. But, I mean, we had two-hour draft previews where he would join us in studio. He would drive up from Calgary and join us at the TSN 1260 studios. He was working for, like, ISS at the time, International Scouting Service. Then he was hired by Hockey Canada. He was doing a bunch of work with them, coaching, scouting. Uh, so he's done a lot. I, I'm still surprised that he isn't working for a WHL team and maybe he just is making way too much money right now and can't take a pay cut or something. But I know if I found myself suddenly running a WHL team or owning a WHL team, he would be a guy that I would have on my scouting staff. That's uh, Ross McLean. And if you're looking for ice time down in uh, Calgary, uh, why don't you give them a call? McLeanHockey.com. We have one more segment to go on this last show before the 2022 NHL draft. It's not the last show of season 17. That'll come at the end of July. But we only have one more player we're going to have on right before the draft itself. And we haven't had a lot of goaltenders on this year because, well, it's apparently not a great year for goalies. But my next guest, he had a, a terrific season and has been uh, recognized by Hockey Canada for that year and is uh, invited to this summer's uh, World Junior Camp for the 2023 World Junior Team. That is Chase Coward of the Red Deer Rebels, goaltender 6'2", and he joins me next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Dallas fed him the puck, now Dallas spins and fires! Off his glove and it stayed out by millimeters. 
Hey, it's Carter Hart of the Everett Silver Tips, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Final segment to go on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show, which is, of course, is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. It's W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. All right, and it is the final 2022 Draft Spotlight segment of the season with the draft coming up in just a couple of days uh the uh we've been getting players on who are draft eligible all season long and my next guest is one of those but he will be the last one for the class of 2022 for this season chase coward of the red deer rebels uh chase welcome to the program how are you i'm doing good thanks for having me and uh how are you doing i'm doing well but i'm not up for the draft so uh this time of year are you getting a little nervous a little excited maybe a bit of both uh, you know, it's a little bit of both. I'm trying not to let the nerves get in the way too much, but it's obviously a nerve-wracking time of the year, but there's a lot of excitement around it too. For sure. I know you're not going out to, to the draft, and I don't blame you with the all the hectic travel schedule and how much chaos there is and getting in and out of major cities, so I don't blame you for not going. But will you be tuning in, or do you just kind of not turn the TV on and just wait until you hear something from your agent or the team, or, or what? What's your plan for draft day? Uh, I don't really know yet. I think the plan right now is to kind of just shut the TV off. And if I get drafted, well, then I'm sure someone will phone me. So yeah, I think that's the way I'm kind of leaning towards right now. All right. You know, I always wondered what I'd be doing if I'd be on the golf course or something like that or, or whatever it was. Uh, but, uh, I'm intrigued to see what happens on draft day. I'm sure you are as well. Uh, let's get to know a bit of your background though. We'll start with this, this past season. Uh, and a uh, great, gr- really, really impressive year for, for not just you, but for the Red Deer Rebels as well, getting to the second round and playing against the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, in the playoffs, but a really strong season. Since then, though, what's uh, the last couple of months been like for you? The last, I don't know, month-ish was probably, I was just at home doing a lot of a lot of work and workouts and kind of more of the off-ice training, and then these past two weeks, I've kind of more went into the on-ice stuff, and then I'm up here in Edmonton training now with our team goalie coach, so that's always good. So yeah, and you also have a, a pretty short off season. I mean, everybody's got a short off season this year, it seems like, because of how much the the WHL regular season was pushed back. But uh, you've got some Hockey Canada events coming up. How'd that come into play for you? Uh, yeah, so I was at work one morning and I got a phone call at like 9:30 saying I got invited to the summer World Junior Camp, and I was pretty. I was pretty shocked for a few minutes there. And then <laughs> kind of once I got set, settled down there, I just started to like organize some stuff and line some stuff up to give me a good shot of making that team. I mean, you said you were surprised. Was that completely out of the blue for you? I mean, you're one of the better goaltenders in the WHL. We're talking about the 2023 uh, World Junior, not the, the do-over of the 2022 that's happening in August. But it's yourself and 
two other uh, world G- or uh, WHL goaltenders and another goalie uh, that's going to be at this camp, right? Yeah, I think there's yeah three of us and then one from the OHL, I think. Yeah, I don't have the list in front of me. Is it uh, Thomas Millich and, and Reed Dick and yourself and and uh, someone from the O? No, I think it's me, uh, Brennan, uh, Millich, and Gaudreau. I think is how you say it. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to get an invite like that, then if it was that much of a surprise, what was your first reaction? Uh, I was like, well, I just tried and when I was on the phone with them, I tried to like play cool and not like <laughs> sound like I was too surprised. But deep down, I was uh, very surprised, and it was a huge honor to get that phone call. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, all right, well, let's uh, reflect on this uh, this past season. You got into 35 games. Uh, with the uh, the Rebels ended with a, a 906 save percentage and a goals against a 251, but I, I'm sure the the number that means the most to you is 22 wins out of 35 games. How do you feel about your year? Uh, I felt really strong. Like start of the year, I didn't really know what the year was going to look like for me because it was me and Unger, and we both really I didn't really play that much the year before, and yeah. Unger was kind of looking for a spot to start essentially, and then. I thought we had a really good year as a tandem man. Individually, we both pushed each other and we ended up splitting the whole season pretty much. So it was really good to have him and the coaches and teammates to help me have the successful year I had and felt really good about it. And there was some lows in the year, but I feel like I finished off pretty strong. When it when you have a, a a tandem like that, I always wonder what the relationship is like because you both want to start. You both want to get as many games in as you can, especially because you're both still draft eligible, but you're still teammates and you want to have a, a healthy relationship. You don't want to hurt the team because you're competitive guys and you want to play. But how do you handle that as a, as a goaltender with, uh, with Connor Unger? Yeah, it was good. Like we, it was competitive on the ice. Like we were fighting for the net, like battling and everything. And then off the ice, it was just like a regular teammate, like you're good friends with and got along off the ice, but we were, kind of separated on the ice from off the ice and we want to compete and want to be buddies. So it was a very good part of the relationship. That's for sure. Now, when it came to playoff time, you were the guy and uh, I, I went into the, uh, the postseason wondering, okay, what, how's red you're going to handle that when you've been a tandem all season long, do you stick with that in the playoffs? Cause it's worked or do you go with one guy and it ended up being you uh, until the Edmonton series. We'll touch on that and why in a second, but what were your thoughts going into the postseason? Did you expect, that it would be back and forth or how when you were told uh by the coaching staff how did that go over uh yeah it was it was really up in the air for both of us like we both kind of knew it could go either way and it was going to be up to the coaching staff and then I kind of got a few more games and more towards the end there so we kind of both figured that they were going to lean towards me but it was still one of those unsure things because we were both playing good so it's like they could go with any one of us all right, then you uh, start against Edmonton. You don't finish the series due to injury. Are you uh, able to discuss what happened? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I had a, I'll just give the brief. I had a guy fall on my back in one of the scrums there and kind of hit me in one of the discs. So I think it moved that disc for a bit and I was out for a few games there. Uh, how you feeling now? Everything okay? Yeah, everything's recovered and I'm doing well. Okay, well, that's good to hear. So it's not something that you're concerned with moving forward. No, not at all. Now, this coming season's going to be a little different because right after the year and around, was it right around the the, the uh, WHL draft, uh, Unger was traded. So now you are the guy uh, and you go from a platoon situation, a tandem where now you are the, the, the number one guy. Are you ready for that? 
Yeah, I feel like I am. Like I feel like I split. We split last year and kind of gave me a taste of a starting role because we'd go on runs and then I obviously got the starting role and playoffs there. So that also gave me another taste of kind of starting role. And I feel like those two combined give me a good feeling and a good confidence going into next year of being a starter. Chase Coward of the Red Deer Rebels is my guest, netminder with the uh, the Rebels. Chase, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular audience will, will know about the Rebels, they'll know about you, uh, but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who will listen to a segment like this just because you're a draft-eligible player. They might not watch the WHL at all, uh, so won't know anything about you. So for the benefit of that part of the audience that's listening right now, uh, maybe let's get some background. Uh, start with, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Swift Current, Saskatchewan, born and raised, grew up playing minor hockey all through there up until my second year bantam then i went out to prairie hockey academy out in Cairnport for two years and then i ended up in Mooshaw for a year triple a do you remember how old you were when you first uh, became a goaltender and, and what attracted you to the position uh i think the actual age is whatever first year novice was well pretty early and i yeah i can't really tell you either because they'd always ask for volunteers to be goalies and I'd always put up my hand and then <laughs> I was kind of good at it so then they kept putting me in and then I just kind of never left and now I'm here so so why did you want to be a goalie all the time I couldn't really tell you I don't remember like a sudden urge to be a goalie or it was just like I always just gravitated towards the net ever since Timbits and just ended up staying in the net so some some guys will tell me, well, they wanted to wear the pads, the equipment interested them, or you know, the glove, or wearing the mask. For you, it wasn't any of that. No, it was just like one of those things. They'd put me out in player, and then I'd end up around the net somehow, and <laughs> they're just like, hey, you can put on the pads then and be the goalie. And then I enjoyed doing that, so then I just stuck with it. Interesting. Now the uh, the Bantam draft is a, an interesting day for a lot of players. Uh, some guys get to stay home from school to kind of watch and see how it plays out other guys are at school and trying to follow it along on their phone correct me if i'm wrong you actually weren't taken in the the whl banner draft is that right uh yeah i wasn't taken in the draft i was listed uh the following christmas time or around i think it was just before christmas not being drafted some guys would be pretty deflated by that other guys might be motivated by it what was your response uh i was a little motivated like i I kind of knew coming in I might not go. I was kind of like one of those guys on the fringe, but I also knew that it wasn't the end of the world if I didn't. And I know lots of guys that haven't went, haven't been drafted and have signed pro contracts, like Bainsey there, for example. And it's just like, if you don't get drafted, it's not the end of the world. And you just got to keep pushing because you never know what could happen the next year. Great example. Uh, for those who don't know, Bainsey is Arshdeep Baines, who ended up leading the WHL in scoring this year, wasn't drafted in the Bantam draft or the NHL draft, ends his uh, junior career with a pro contract with the Vancouver Canucks. So great example there uh, from uh, Chase Coward. Uh, your first camp with the Rebels, maybe a little intimidating. I'm, I'm guessing uh, Brent Sutter can be that intimidating coach. I know I've had him on the show several times and uh, what's he like uh, as a player, though, to to uh, go to a camp with him? Uh, it's actually, like, really, uh, what's the word? Knowledgeable. Like, he knows a lot of hockey sense, and he can teach you a lot. And it may be a little bit intimidating when you go in young there, but once you kind of get to know him and everything, you know, his intentions are good, and, like, he wants the best out of you. And he's a really good 
well, coach to have and GM because he knows a lot of stuff and he wants you to pushes you to be the best he can. Last year was pretty weird, eh? The shortened season in the spring of 2021, you're living at the Centrium in Red Deer right at the rink. And, uh, I mean, it was a really, what was it, about uh, 12 weeks or something that the entire season was? And you didn't play all that much. So what do you take from that uh, that experience? Uh, I, do, I took a lot of the practice time and the few games to get there at the end just kind of helped me develop, I guess, more, more say or more so to uh, – kind of the level of the league and just not having that pressure as in games I could just go out there and do my thing and practice and that definitely helped me a lot uh Chase uh, the sheet I'm looking at lists you at 6'2 and 163 pounds I don't know how up to date that is uh what are you at now that sounds about right okay is that a comfortable playing weight for you I, I mean it, it's painting the picture of a tall skinny guy basically not to be uh, you know too too uh, frank about it, but uh, do you want to fill out a little bit more, or is that uh, a weight and size that you're comfortable at? Yeah, I think I want to fill out a bit more. It's kind of in our family genetics that we have a bunch of tall, skinny guys until we're about <laughs> mid, early 20s, and then we start filling out a bit, so okay. I'm hoping I follow that, but yeah, growing up, I've always been a tall, skinny guy, so under the gear, it doesn't really look like I'm that skinny, but uh, if you were a forward, I could ask if you're a playmaker or a shooter, if you're a defenseman or you're a two-way defenseman or a stay-at-home kind of guy. How do you describe yourself as a goaltender when everybody's sort of a butterfly goalie these days? But uh, what's what's different or unique about the way you play? Uh, I feel like I'm a, not like a stand-up, but I try and stay on my feet as much as I can, like movement-wise, like beating pucks to like beating passes and beating guys to places, kind of that more style instead of the automatic slide kind of style. Is there a, a goaltender or two maybe that you, you look to and say, uh, maybe we play a similar style. I can use that guy as sort of uh, my blueprint for success. Yeah, I kind of like watching Demko and kind of using his fundamentals and his ability to just like stay calm and stick to his fundamentals while making the big save here and there when his team needs it and just being that steady backbone. As a Southern Saskatchewan guy, no NHL team right there, but I guess Calgary would be closest, maybe Winnipeg. Did you have a favorite team growing up? Uh, well, yeah, I had. I was a Pens fan, more so a Flurry fan growing okay. up. So when he moved, I I kind of moved. So I guess you could call me a Flurry bandwagon. But that's all right. A lot of guys will will cheer more for a, a player or a few players than a specific team. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I guess now that Skinner is. Up in the ranks with the Oilers, I think I might have to change my teams. See, there you go, there you go. So uh, between now and uh, the the experience here with uh, Hockey Canada coming up, the World Junior Camp, uh, how do you spend the next month? Uh, well, I was planning on staying in Edmonton here for a week and skating with our goalie coach and a few other groups, and then schedule pending. I don't really know what's going to happen next week because I might go to development camp if I get selected or I might get invited, so that week's right. still kind of up in the air. And then I think I'll come back to Edmonton for a few days to skate some more, and then I'll head out. Well, Chase, listen, I appreciate your time. I enjoyed the conversation. I uh, wish you the best of luck at not just at the uh, at the draft, but at the World Junior Camp late July, early August. When is that camp? Late July. Late July. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. Good luck with all of it, man. I hope we can chat again. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. The final 2022 draft spotlight segment of Season 17 here on the Pipeline Show. 
over the course of the year. Must have had 50, 60 players on, all of them draft eligible. And uh, ending it here with Chase Coward, one of the very few goaltenders that we've had on the show this season. He played for the Red Deer Rebels this past year. He's going to get a crack at Canada's World Junior Team coming up uh, in late July. And uh, I mentioned I got the uh, players wrong. The guys who were invited to that camp, uh, it's not Reed Dick. It's Chase Coward and Thomas Millich from the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds, uh, Tyler Brennan from the Prince George Cougars, and Ben Goudreau from the Sarnia Sting. Now, a lot of people say it's not a good year for goaltenders. I think there are some goaltenders of note as later round pick, and Chase Coward at six foot two. I think he's got the size. I think there's lots of room for him to fill out. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does next season as uh, the bonafide starter in Red Deer. Obviously, they thought well enough of him to move his goaltending partner in uh, Connor Unger, who is now a member of the Moose Jaw Warriors. That's also, I think, a good pickup for Moose Jaw as well. But that will do it for the 2022 Draft Spotlight segments. I was able to get most of the players that I wanted to get on the show this year. Uh, missed on a couple of the high-end guys in Logan Cooley and, and Shane Wright, but not for a lack of trying, put it that way. Busy guys, and uh, their schedule awfully tight throughout the season. And these days, a lot of the high-end guys are kind of guarded by their agents or their teams. So, uh, unfortunately, was not able to get either of those two on the program, but uh, not for a lack of trying, put it that way. Now, the draft goes on Thursday and Friday this week. There will be the rest of July in Season 17. Then I'll take two weeks off and come back in the middle of August to kick off Season 18 of the Pipeline Show. Those who have signed up to be patrons at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow really appreciate that support. A couple of bucks a month, and everybody that does is able to get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of the show. Patrons get access to those same day, usually an hour or two, maybe at the most, after the interview is complete. So the interviews that you've heard on this episode, they've been available. Well, the one with Sam Cosentino was available since Saturday. Uh, and as I'm releasing this, if you're hearing this after it's, the full show has been released, that's on Wednesday. So like four days there for patrons to hear that conversation with Sam. Next week on the program, well, obviously, reaction from what happens at the NHL draft. Lots of little sidebar stories that we haven't been able to touch on here in the last couple of weeks because we're getting ready for the draft. Uh, so we're going to dive into those here as uh, July, really, the only month of offseason this year. We've got the Holenka Gretzky Cup coming up in Red Deer in early August. The World Junior Camp, as we just heard from Chase Coward at the end of July. And then the World Junior Do-Over, the 2022 World Junior Championship 2.0 trying it again here in Edmonton in August so uh, then CHL camps open the WHL will be back in action same with the AJHL here in my backyard then everybody is off and running after that so no basically no off season this year except for the next uh, three weeks after the draft lots we can talk about we will do it all next week right here on the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky my name is Guy Flaming take care everybody see ya